Welcome to the Buckaroo Marketing New Media Podcast, your resource for B2B marketing for manufacturing and related industries. You create unrivaled products and services. We tell your story. Now on to the show. I'm your host, Deborah Daly, and I'm the co-founder of Buckaroo Marketing New Media. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Mr. Stephen Ferrucci, who is a partner at the law firm of Clap Ferrucci. Welcome, Steve. Thanks, Deb. How are you? Good. I'm glad to have you on today's show. Why don't we start off and you tell us a little bit about your background? Sure. Um, I, I've been a lawyer for the past 30 years. For about the last 15 years, I've worked primarily with manufacturing companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, I was in-house general counsel for a manufacturing company on the east side of Indianapolis that made plumbing control products for a number of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, since then, about two, eight, nine years ago, I left in-house and uh, became a partner with Sean Clapp. And now I still have my former client, uh, my former uh, employer as a client. And then I picked up other manufacturing clients along the way. Okay. What drew you to manufacturing? Well, uh, a couple of things. You know, when I was growing up, my dad worked in a manufacturing uh, manufacturing company. He, he made micrometers. So that was his career for 45 years. The company was in Rhode Island where I grew up. And, you know, I learned a lot from him about some of the challenges of manufacturing at that time. And then uh, when I became a lawyer, Eventually, I worked my way from being a prosecutor where I started uh, to work with business clients and then eventually manufacturing clients. Just because with manufacturing, you have a lot of different uh, subject matters within the law. So we have HR issues, we have contract issues, supplier issues, intellectual property issues, and then your general everyday issues of buying and selling real estate and the like. So to me, it was a good uh, way to have a broad subject matter area that I could help clients with. That way you don't get bored either. Yeah, that's true. Now, for uh, newbies, what's a micrometer used for? <laughs> uh, it's a device that, that measures something like the thickness of a piece of paper. Okay. okay. So it's, very, uh, it's a device that you can use to measure very s- small things. I know engineers usually use them, don't they? They do. Okay. Now, um, how long have you been a partner in uh, Clapfrucci again? Since 2009. So uh, I left my former employer in 2007, started off on my own as an independent uh, contractor or of counsel with with Sean Clapp. And then he and I became partners in 2009, renamed the firm in 2010. So about... uh, 11 years as a partner in private practice on my own for the last 13. Okay. Does Sean specialize in the same area? No, Sean uh, handles primarily business and real estate matters. Okay. So he's got a strong emphasis in, re- in real estate. Okay. And we have an in-house title company that, uh, that I also uh, am involved with. Okay. Now with COVID-19, were a lot of your clients affected uh, as considered being non-essential? Actually, the clients that I had in the manufacturing sector were, were considered to be critical infrastructure workers. 
So um, almost all of my clients continue to, to operate during that time frame um, as critical workers under the size of guidelines. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, now, are your clients, is there any um, boundary restriction as far as are they nationwide or? Uh, I've got some clients. In fact, my former employer, uh, they distribute products nationwide. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, some of my clients are a local and regional suppliers. Um, I've got another client, for example, one of my clients is a manufacturer of chemicals mm-hmm. and they distribute to water treatment facilities largely in the Midwest, but not outside the Midwest. So okay. some are uh, regional and some are national. Okay. Uh, do you do anything outside of the United States? Um, I did a little work with companies in Canada for some time. Uh, that has since stopped largely because the client I was working with decided not to distribute in Canada any further. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Um, why don't you tell me what are some of the shared challenges that your clients have? Oh, uh, sure. Um, I would say the the primary issue that my clients all face is keeping, uh, attracting, keeping and incentivizing key, key folks. You know, there some of my clients have very high turnover Mm -hmm. and by the time they get people trained, those clients are moving elsewhere for a dollar or $2 or $3 more per hour at other manufacturing facilities. So it's a, the turnover is tough and once they get somebody trained, we want to keep them and incentivize them. And most of my clients are small manufacturers who can't really afford to, um, you know, it's difficult to pay somebody two, three, four dollars more an hour. Sure. So that's that's a shared issue. Um, another issue that that people uh, sometimes run into is, is finding people in the front office, right, to to assist them with. Uh, CFO-like activities, controller-like activities, just because they're not large enough to, to really have a full-blown staff with a COO, CEO, CFO, et cetera. So uh, I assist them with, you know, outsourcing some of that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with, for example, marketing, you know, finding a right outsourced marketing team and those types of things. Sure, sure. Um, when you said you deal with companies that are small, primarily small, uh, privately held. Yeah. In fact, all privately held. Yeah. Okay. And, and Go ahead. Um, what size defines small? Uh, to, to me, um, anything under 500 would be small. You know, okay. most of my clients are in the range of a hundred or less, you know, mm-hmm. even fewer. I mean, I've got a lot of clients that are 25, 30 people. Mm-hmm. Uh, in total, you know, that have annual sales in the revenue range of say 3 million up to 40 or $50 million a okay. year. But, but most of them are 25 and fewer and they have less than $20 million in sales a year. Sure. And have most of these companies been in existence for quite a while? Yeah, some, some have, some haven't. Um, most of them, I say, have been around for 10 or 15 or 20 years. You know, we still have the manufacturing base in central Indiana. 
So, you know, you have a company that may make a product and you've got all of the suppliers that supply the component pieces and parts to the company that makes the product. And I represent both the kind of the company that makes the product and the company that supplies the product to the, to the other company. So um, most of them, you know, are, are local regional uh, based around Indianapolis. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, manufacturing is such a big word, you know, a lot can go into it between automation and pharmaceutical and whatnot. Uh, give us an idea of the types of products your manufacturers currently create. Sure. Uh, so one of them creates plumbing control products. So it's a valve that mixes hot and cold water and so that people aren't scalded, right? Mm -hmm. So in a hotel or a hospital or a nursing home, you'll want to distribute um, water that doesn't scald people. Mm -hmm. So that's one type of product. Another company uh, manufactures uh, component pieces for the automobile industry. So they're making, they're doing, you know, plastic injection molding. Okay. So there's a lot of parts and pieces that go along with that. Uh, a third company, as I mentioned before, is involved in water treatment. So they manufacture chemicals that they supply to water treatment facilities and hospitals to treat water uh, and, you know, to assist them in assessing risk like Legionella in their facilities. Okay. Okay. Um, besides, you know, we've talked about some of the unique challenges and obviously we're all getting back to what I call a new normal um, with the pandemic and everything. Um, what should a manufacturer do if someone tests positive or um, if you suspect that they've tested positive. Okay. So if they test positive, the question is, are they uh, asymptomatic or are they symptomatic? So if they test positive, um, you know, you want to send them home. And then what the CDC recommends is that they uh, stay home for 10 days if they remain asymptomatic and then they return to work. Okay. If they're symptomatic, they're not going to be allowed to come back for 10 days since their symptoms uh, have first appeared and then stopped. So it's 10 days from when they have stopped before they're able to come back to work. Now, with regard to what about everybody else, right? So you, you have somebody who's an employee, they test positive. What about the people around them, right? Mm -hmm. So just because there's a potential exposure or an exposure to someone who is uh, tested positive doesn't mean that those folks have to quarantine for two weeks. What you want to do is uh, an employer should probably, well, should, according to CDC guidelines, take employees' temperatures or pre-screen them when they come to work to the extent they're able to, we want to have regular mon monitoring of the employee, right? So if they show symptoms, send them home immediately. Mm -hmm. um, want to wear a mask. In some cases in manufacturing facilities, you can't wear a mask because it's unsafe to do so, but where it's safe to do so, you want to wear a mask. You want to clean frequently touched surfaces very uh, regularly. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, and finally, uh, uh, make sure that you create conditions for social distancing. So employees should maintain their six feet of distance and 
to the extent you can in the manufacturing facility, create a process where people socially distant while they're working. Sure. And I'm sure while they're eating. Yeah. In fact, that's one thing that the CDC recommends is that you, yeah, you have different break times so that no one is all congregating in the break room around the microwave at the same time or around the fridge at the same time. So you right. want to try to break that up. Hmm. Um, I know that uh, the other day I was shopping at Kroger and there was a gal and uh, an employee came in and the first thing she did was take his temperature and log it. And I thought it was interesting because that's pre-COVID. That's not anything we would have seen. And when I've actually traveled to see my clients, they've done the same thing with me as far as taking my temperature and making sure I haven't had any exposure. Yeah, I, I think it's really important that employers pre-screen people. So when they show up to work, they, that you do take their temperature. And if they're exhibiting signs of fever, to send them home. So I have a client where um, a lot of their team members go on site to other companies, commercially based, to do preventative maintenance. What happens if, you know, one of their customers says, hey, we've had a positive test? What, are they, what should they do? Well, I, I think the employer is going to do a couple things. First, the employer needs to determine who that employee had been in contact with in the two days prior mm -hmm. and then in, in, in the day that the test is positive, right? So you have some idea of who the exposed folks are. You can tell exposed, potentially exposed people that there's been a positive test for COVID, but you have to be mindful of HIPAA, HIPAA regulations. So you can't say the name of the person but you okay. can say that this, this has occurred, right? Okay. Um, and then, you know, encourage the employee or the independent contractor who provides preventive maintenance that if they're concerned about it, they should be tested. Uh, but beyond that, uh, you know, again, cleaning surfaces and, and having set up conditions for social distancing is real important. Sure. Sure. Well, that's certainly a, a new area that, you know, everybody is trying to navigate. Yeah, for sure. Um, what else would you like to add to our conversation today? Well, I, I guess, you know, um, when a little advice for manufacturing clients in particular, when you, when you're going to hire counsel, um, you might want to make sure that the council has been exposed to a lot of different areas that the mm -hmm. council can help you with. Because if you hire an intellectual property attorney, that attorney's not going to know anything about HR or anything about real estate. So, you, you know, uh, most of your legal needs can be met by one client or excuse me, one lawyer who's been exposed to a number of different things. And if it's something that's more complex, that attorney should be in a position to be able to advise you as to seeking further expertise in an area, right? So mm -hmm. um, one of the things I was excited about when I left my former employer is to become kind of the in-house counsel or de facto general counsel for manufacturing companies because I've been exposed to many different things. Mm -hmm. so. Tell me what's the greatest lesson you've learned in working with manufacturers? Oh, um, planning. Uh, I think that would be uh, very important because 
you know, being able to keep longevity in the business and planning ahead, having a succession plan in place. Cause I've seen a lot of folks who kind of have not groomed people to take over and then they get to a retirement and now they're facing, what do I do? You know, I want to retire, but I don't have enough people that, you know, that I trust within my organization. And then they try to sell their business and maybe they don't get as much for their business because they're in a position where they have to sell it versus, mm -hmm. you know, being, having a succession plan in place. So sure. I think that's really important, uh, especially in a small company, you know, identifying people, grooming those people, having a plan in place so that you can eventually uh, pass that business on and everything you've created stays intact. Right. We have that same issue with marketing. So many times um, clients are running from fire to fire, taking care of their own customers. They're not able to stop and take a breath and think about their own plans as far as how they want to grow the company and their company goals. Right, right. Um, if our listeners want to reach you, um, what's the best way to do that? Well, uh, a couple different ways. They can call me. And my number is 317-578-9966. Or uh, more quickly, email me. And my email is sferrucci, F-E-R-R-U-C-C-I, at Sean M. Clapp, S-E-A-N-M-C-L-A-P-P.com. Okay. And our website is seanmclapp.com. Um, I assume you're on LinkedIn. I am on LinkedIn, yes. Okay, so they could reach you that way. They can too, that. that's true. Well, thank you so much for joining me on Buckaroo TV today. Um, it was really great to have you and you know, share some of your knowledge uh, in relation to what's going on in the manufacturing industry. Thanks for the opportunity today, Deb. I appreciate it very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Buckaroo Marketing New Media Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about B2B marketing for manufacturing and related industries, please visit us at gobuckaroo.com.